The Lifestylist, episode 104, featuring Mind Pump. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. A huge part of my health strategy is taking medicinal herbs and medicinal mushrooms. And one of my favorite ways to take them is by making herbal elixirs. That's really tasty, hot and cold drinks. It's much cooler to take them that way than taking a bunch of pills. Like who can remember to do that? Well, I wanna let you know about my friends from Four Sigmatic. These guys make the most potent, high quality and delicious herbal blends that are really easy to take. You can make a cold or hot, herbal elixir drink. Like what I like to do is either add them to my bulletproof coffee, or if I don't want to have caffeine, I'll just make myself a Four Sigmatic herbal elixir with something like cordyceps, lion's mane, um, chaga mushrooms, reishi mushrooms, ashwagandha, all the good stuff, all the stuff that you can really feel working is available at Four Sigmatic. So what I'd like you to do is go to foursigmatic.com and check it out. They have an amazing suite of products. And like anything that I promote, this is stuff that I use every day myself. I love this stuff. I'm super addicted to it, which is why I want to tell you about it. So go to foursigmatic.com. But even better, when you're there, enter the code the lifestylist at checkout and save 15% off your order, which is pretty sweet. So enter the lifestylist and save 15% at foursigmatic.com. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Organifi. I discovered this product a few months ago and it has changed the game for me. Everybody knows that green juice is good for you, right? Here's the deal, though. couple disadvantages to your average cold-pressed green juice. A, a lot of times it comes in plastic, not good. B, it's usually loaded with sugar up to 25 grams, which is basically like drinking a green Coca-Cola. Not happening. Next is they go bad. You can't leave it sitting out, and they're really bad for travel. So I love my green juice. That's cool. Cold-pressed. I get the sugar-free ones. I'm into it. But Organifi makes a green powdered superfood that comes in these little packets that are portable and you can take with you. So I keep them in my car and in my bag and on demand anytime I have a bottle of water, I can pour one of these in there and have an instant green juice. Alkalizing, energizing, gives you mental clarity. It's fantastic. It's loaded with 11 superfoods. A lot of the green powders not only taste gross and are overpriced, but they'll have like 200 ingredients. And I'm always thinking, how much of each ingredient is actually in there, okay? These 11 superfoods are the important ones that you need, like turmeric, chlorella, wheatgrass, spirulina, mint, moringa, ashwagandha, lemon, beets, matcha green tea, and coconut water. And it's sweetened with monk fruit, so it's got a zero glycemic index. It's fantastic stuff. So if you want to check this drink out, work on your health in a way that actually tastes good and is super convenient, here's what you do. Go to Organifi.com, that's with an I, Organifi, Enter the code LIFESTYLIST and save 20% off your order. You guys know I always give you a hookup if I'm going to tell you about something cool that I discovered. So again, go to Organifi.com, enter the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout and save 20%. It's really good stuff.
All right, you guys, I am pumped. I am juiced. I am getting ready to drop a mega double episode on you this week featuring Sal Stefano and Adam Schaefer from the podcast and fitness brand Mind Pump. Massively successful podcast, two super conscious dudes from the fitness industry. Mind Pump's an online radio show slash podcast that's been described as Howard Stern meets fitness. And I think of my show in that regard sometimes, like Howard Stern meets health and spirituality. Sometimes their show is super raw. Sometimes it's shocking, but it's always entertaining and informative. It's a really great podcast about the world of fitness. But what they do that I really like, unlike some of the other ones, is they really debunk all of the myths within the industry. And that, my friends, is what we are going to get down with in this one. Okay, so here's a little background on the guys. Sal Stefano was 14 years old when he touched his first weight and from that moment, he was hooked. I wish I could say the same thing for myself. <laughs> I picked up my first weight and I was like, never picking that up again. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, so he grew up an asthmatic. He was frequently sick. He was painfully skinny. He saw weightlifting as a way to change his body and his self-image. After 17 years as a personal trainer, he's dedicated himself to bringing science and truth, most importantly, to the fitness industry. Then Adam Schaefer is an IFBB men's physique pro and fitness expert. He made his entrance into the fitness world 14 years ago and has continued to send shockwaves throughout the community ever since. He's a man of many talents who wears many hats. He is first and foremost a certified fitness expert who has an insatiable desire to help people in need of major lifestyle changes and daily accountable motivation. He's also an incredibly driven entrepreneur and business-minded individual with a vision that continually challenges his colleagues and peers to think bigger and achieve more. So what happened this day when the guys came by my home studio is we discussed the next wave, the cutting edge of fitness. Now, you guys know if you listen to the show, fitness is something I struggle with a bit. I mean, I move, I do yoga, I hike, I swim, I even go to Story Fitness, my brother's spot, bust out some mobility, go through my phases of working out. But it's been something that's been difficult for me to really build into my daily program. And this show is about building the ultimate lifestyle. So I had a lot of questions about gym culture, fitness, and all of this stuff. So I got to ask them every single question I've ever wondered about bodybuilding, supplementation, all of that stuff. So this is a really good one. If you're someone that's like me that like wants to be more active and more fit and maybe even wants to get ripped, but you know, lacks the knowledge or sort of the motivation to do so, this is going to be good for you. If you are someone who thinks you already know about working out, you already know about fitness and exercise and all this stuff, you are going to trip when these guys break it down because their combined wisdom is insane, the amount of information that we come up with. So these guys came out of that traditional meathead, gym rat culture, and they've evolved into a couple really conscious, functional movers and thinkers. And it was just really inspiring to hear their story and their philosophy. They're really into sort of the new wave or the next wave of fitness. It's cool stuff. So here's what we talk about in this double epic episode, which by the way, like most of my podcast is also available in video form on my YouTube channel. So here's the breakdown. When it comes to bodybuilding, where does vanity and ego end and challenging yourself begin? How carbs spike your blood sugar and why that might not be so awesome. How food makes you feel and how many people think they feel good until they know what feeling great feels like. The fact that it's a good idea to eat differently throughout the year and not maintain the same weight year round. 
eating disorders in the bodybuilding world. Ooh, that's some scary stuff. When we get into that, you guys, it's pretty hardcore. I had no idea this stuff went that deep. What are the blue zones and why do people that live there live to be 100 and above? How to do the least amount of work that will elicit the most amount of change. And then we get into ice baths. Is inflammation good or bad for bodybuilding? The benefits of stressing the body with extreme temperatures. Overworking out, how much is too much? Turns out overtraining is really dangerous and also counterproductive. So you gym rats that like to hit it hard are going to trip when you hear about that. Does sexual abstinence hurt or help performance? Then we pose the question on whether to ejaculate or not to ejaculate, purely based on physical performance goals, okay? This is not going to be an issue for you ladies in most cases. However, it's something guys need to know. The decline of testosterone over the last four generations of men and the number one most ignored secret in raising it. Dudes, you want to hear this, bro. (laughs) Bro, bro, bro. This is a very bro episode. I'm into it. How functional medicine and bioidentical hormones can improve athletic performance. Then what about steroids, HGH, L-glutamine, creatine, DHEA, amino acids? Are you wasting your money on all of these supplements? You might just be in some cases. What are the best apps for tracking your health and fitness? Then they give us a little workout hack freebie called BFR, blood flow restriction, and the risks and benefits involved. The effectiveness of machines versus free weights, the importance of your range of motion, and how to do an in-home assessment. Then we get into some of the psychology, fat shaming versus fit shaming, and finally, why it's crucial not to confuse your body image with your self-image. So as you can see, we pull no punches in this episode. There is a ton of really valuable information provided. This is a content-rich episode, y'all. So make sure to catch parts one and two because you don't want to miss a thing. So now, without further ado, I introduce you to my friends, Sal and Adam from Mind. Humans, for thousands and thousands of years, starved uh, all the time. We were malnourished. Food was a big issue. Then all of a sudden, we had this huge influx of food. We have all this hyper-palatable food available at any moment, right? I can have any flavor I want. I can have it whenever I want. And so now we have the side effects of that obesity and disease and all these issues because now we're dealing with a situation that our human body didn't evolve to really understand. Pornography is the same thing. Uh, Men did not evolve in an environment where we had extreme novelty. Maybe if you were like a king or something and you had all these, you know, concubines and stuff. But for the most part, you were not exposed to, you know, millions of different, you know, visual stimulations of different women doing different things and all these things that you couldn't even imagine. And so what happens with pornography, especially the young brain when, when your brain is developing, is it develops uh, a preference for this extreme novelty, for this dopamine rush, uh, this you know, opening up multiple tabs and clicking on this video and stopping that one and watching this one and watch, looking at this picture. And, and that's what people do when they watch pornography, and it trains the brain that way. And so it's no wonder that these guys are having erectile dysfunction when they're growing. you meet some girl who's 16 years old and she lays there like a board <laughs> and say like, how, right. yeah, how, how, imagine that. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, I think we all remember what it was like having sex the first probably five times you had sex. It was Ooh-hoo. not. Yeah. The first five times was in the first day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The first, I love this story. The first girl I ever had sex with, no joke. If you 
if you're ever listening to this, sweetie, please hit me up on Facebook. I'd love to <laughs> touch base with you. I'd love to try it again. Experience. But her, <laughs> I'm trying to go back for old time's sake. But I love this. Her name was Charity. And I always thought that was just ironic. Divergenized me like as a favor. All right, kid, you know? (laughs) Anyway, I digress. Um, But I've thought about that too, Sal, is the the novelty thing. Like if you think about how we've evolved, right? We're in like tribes of 50 people, say, roaming around and, you know, setting up little camps. If you picture like Native Americans and they're Mm -hmm. setting up their teepees and taking the horses and moving up, you know, to get away from the snow and coming down in the valley and doing their little migrations. You're going to basically see like the same 20 chicks your entire fucking life, let alone see them naked or have any kind of, you know, sexual interaction or touch with them. So we, we do live in a totally unnatural world. I mean, even just digital stuff aside, it's just posing new problems in that episode that Adam referenced. A lot of people don't know this, but there is uh, testosterone levels among men has been declining for the past, at least four decades. And it's a pretty alarming decrease, and it's continual. It's still happening. I believe a new study just came out that showed that 30-year-old men have like 50% of the sperm, uh, you know, with an ejaculate um, compared to their grandfathers who at the same age. So something's going on. Part of it is uh, I, I blame nutrition. I also blame the you know exposure to uh, endocrine disrupting chemicals like xenoestrogens. Uh, lack of activity. Men don't lift things anymore. We don't lift heavy things anymore. That stimulates testosterone better than anything. And our exposure to constantly being awake and to electronics and not sleeping. One of the best things you can do to raise testosterone is get good quality sleep. That'll, that'll raise testosterone in any man. You get good quality sleep on a consistent basis and you will you can expect a rise in testosterone levels. And we just don't get that. Coming anymore. from the you know the workout and supplement world, there's there's always like there's so much marketing around pills and supplements and sure. bars and drinks and shit that raise your testosterone. Do you guys think there are any legit like workout things that really do boost your testosterone? So workout wise, if you lift weights uh, properly, if you train and you focus on the compound lifts, your barbell squat, your deadlift, your overhead press, your rows, your pull-ups, if you do them uh, properly, if you do them frequently, so not this body part split crap, which by the way, body part splits are, are inferior to more traditional full body type routines just for building muscle. Um, you do it frequently, like two or three days a week. Don't train to failure. Don't lift the weights until you can't lift them anymore. Stop about two reps short. Work on building strength. That right there is the testosterone boosting workout. Now for women, it's also extremely effective. It will build muscle in women and it will make them leaner. But for men, you will notice a rise in testosterone level uh, training that way. As far over, as supplements, yeah, goes, over any supplement, there's supplements yeah. out there on the market that claim to do all these great things, but there's nothing yeah. out, nothing out there is going to surpass lifting compound exercises, getting sleep, and lowering your stress. Those, God damn it! I want the magic pill. I don't yeah. want to lift anything. I mean, I mean, you you could see you could eat more see cholesterol, it. eat more saturated fat. Those are right. two things you could do. As far as supplements are concerned, if you have low testosterone. There are certain herbs that you can take that will raise it into the normal range. But if you have normal testosterone, they do nothing. So like ashwagandha is an example. Horny goat weed may do something similar. But you, some- got, but you got to be at a, at a lower level, and that takes you up to normal. Right. If, if you're, you're somebody normal looking for the edge right. and you want the next thing, then nothing other than taking real synthetic testosterone is going to really do that. I mean, if you're not... You know, when you hear like functional medicine doctors, you know, you go get your hormone labs done and then sometimes they'll prescribe like bioidentical hormones, you know, Mm -hmm. to men or women, testosterone, estrogen, whatever. 
Is that the same thing as like juice, like straight up testosterone that you use to get fucking ripped, like steroids that are illegal, or is there? So they're going to tell you that they're different, uh, but I've always wondered. I've always, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I've always wondered that. Yeah. So the way functional medicine doctors use these bioidentical hormones is they use them to supplement other changes, at least the good ones. Okay. Use them to supplement other changes in your lifestyle. So they'll say something like. You know, let's work on these things with your diet. Let's work on this with your sleep and this with your stress. And then we're going to add these bioidentical hormones because your DHEA is low, your cortisol high, your estrogen dominant or whatever. And then the goal should be to take you off those things as your body starts to regulate itself. So what they're trying to do is create this kind of step system. Now, the way, the reason why bioidentical hormones are the same or similar to the other type like taking steroids is if I took bioidentical DHEA or I took synthetic DHEA, both will suppress my body's production of DHEA. Both of them will cause, both of them will have a negative feedback loop on my body. They'll like downregulate your body's anything you ability. Do. Right? Anything you take exogenous into your body that gives you an acute effect, your body tries to reach a level of homeostasis by a number of different ways. It will reduce its own production of that, whatever it is you're taking. It will downregulate receptors. It will upregulate receptors for other countering hormones and chemicals. Your body will try and balance and regulate itself. This is why you build the tolerance. So as far as hormones are concerned, I definitely understand taking them to get you to the point where you don't have to take them anymore. But to take them, to always take them, isn't the best option because you're not solving the problem. Like if I go into the doctor and the doctor says, hey, you have low testosterone, I'm going to give you synthetic testosterone. I'm treating this symptom, and I'm going to feel a lot better, of course, now, because, but I'm not treating the reason. Why do I have low testosterone? What is causing that low testosterone? If I don't fix that, then I can solve the symptom. Well, you may as well be si- – you're signing up for taking that forever, then. That's it. Right. Yeah. That's basically right. it. Just like if you can't sleep and you do melatonin. Exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. 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 Same I, I got on these like herbal um, sleeping pills like a few months ago, and, and they have melatonin, like four milligrams, which is quite a lot. That's strong. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't fuck with melatonin. You know, I take kava kava and all kinds of herbs, but I was going through a really stressful period, so I got on them. And then the other night, I just realized, I was like, God, I sleep great, man. These pills are great. And I was like, dude, I totally forgot they have like a shitload of melatonin. So I'm like, <laughs> I need to cycle off them and save them for emergencies when I like really need deep sleep or right. exactly. sleep or something like that. Yeah, because it's, it's trippy, you know, and it makes sense too. If you're doing something your body's supposed to be doing, eventually your body's going to be like, all right, peace. Like, I'm not going to spend energy making your melatonin if you're giving it to me. Nope. Nope. Right? And that's how it works with pretty much anything. So... Say you're if you're doing the functional medicine thing and you're low on testosterone and you get a prescription for the patches or injecting yeah. or whatever, will you get ripped or is that like a next level of taking like a shit ton of testosterone? If you're low testosterone and you take testosterone to put you in the normal range and you're working out and, and eating right, you will de- of course you'll definitely notice testosterone is a very strong signal. It's the male hormone. It is what will uh, it's what masculinizes us, so it makes us men. It does signal the body to build muscle. It does change the way we store fat. It does increase libido. It does uh, improve cognition. So if you're at low testosterone and you take it, you'll notice that you feel sharper and smarter and more confident and all these wonderful things. So yeah, you'll definitely, I mean, God, you take a guy who's low testosterone and you give him some injections of testosterone, he's going to feel like uh, like you just turn the lights on. I mean, it's going to change his life. And what about if you have a normal level and you want to go beast mode and like get ripped? Then, then it gets into like juicing, like taking fucking. Well, yeah, we. I mean, we've both experienced that. I mean, throughout my career of working out, 
about 10, 15 years ago, you could buy over-the-counter designer steroids that were marketed as pro-hormones, um, but there was this gray area. They kind of loophole in the law where they could, but they were, act, they were active steroids, and I would take them, and I'd get these phenomenal uh, results. Um, it's, a, it's a very aggressive, aggro, you know, uh, confident-boosting male feeling to have all this extra testosterone in your body, and it can be very addicting the way it feels. But yeah, I mean, you build more muscle, you're stronger, you're horny as hell. You've got, you can sleep less and have more energy. But once you go off of them and your testosterone levels are in the tank because your body was sensing this, you know, exogenous uh, hormones, then you go through this period of trying to get your bodies to build itself back up. And it's a fucking nightmare. I share a lot of this. I share a lot of this on the show because in my early 20s, I, I experimented a lot with synthetic testosterone. And to the point where now in my 30s, I, after 30 years old, I wouldn't have had my blood work done and my test was in the floor. Like I was under your normal 250 free tests is what they would consider. Well, 400 to 1300 would be like your normal range. I was like 230. And so I'm, I have to take... Uh, uh, HRT just to be normal. So this was one of the things that we talk a lot about on Mind Pump where I remember being a young a young man thinking that that was the answer to me building muscle and that was the piece I was missing. I used to think that, oh man, okay, well, I work out hard, I eat right, and the only thing that separates me from the guys in the magazines is they must be taking steroids and I'm not taking steroids, so I'm going to take steroids so I can look like that. And I was wrong. I never looked like that. I didn't look like that until I got into competing and bodybuilding and that was not until I got into my 30s. And by that time, the, I'm now on HRT, but when I was what's in, HRT? So hormone replacement therapy. Oh, okay, okay. So where his I body stopped producing bioidentical. Like, no, you no. I take a synthetic testosterone. Oh, okay. So yeah, I actually oh, take okay. a synthetic testosterone uh, injection that I do myself now. But I went and did blood work. I did this all the way back when I was thirty years old, and I knew that because I I noticed my sex drive. My sex drive was. Uh, horrible, and I thought, man, I'm only 30 years old. I should be wanting to have sex with my girl more than once or twice a week. This isn't right. And I didn't yeah, have a lot of stress. Sure. I, I mean, I had, I shouldn't have been uh, that low. And I remember going to get it tested, and the doctor looking at me, going, "Oh yeah, no, you got really low test levels." And you know, of course, it was due to all the experimenting that I did as a, as a kid in my 20s, and not not doing it right, not coming off the right way, taking way too much of it, thinking the more I did of it, the more muscle that I would build, and. You know, I learned the hard way, and I, I share this on the show a lot, telling people that it's not what people think it is. It's not. A, it's not as simple as oh, you just take it, and then you're going to get this big, you know, big buff looking dude. Yeah, yeah. And even if you do, most people, they as soon as they get off of it, it goes away because they're not doing all the other things correctly. Shortcuts always have, you know, it, yeah. Downside. You know, and people, of course, you know, because I'm a bodybuilder, I'm a pro men's physique guy. Uh, it's a very common question I get asked a lot, and people used to hire me all the time, and they want me to help them with their steroid. They trust me. If Adam, you're knowledgeable guy can you help me can you tell me what to take and i said here's the deal like i don't want anyone to do that until they figure out what they can do with their body naturally first i'm i am the last one to judge anybody who wants to do that like if that's your body do what you want with it but i will tell you this like i will recommend to you that you figure out how to build muscle how to program correctly how to train correctly how to eat correctly to get yourself in amazing shape you can get in cover of magazine shape and never take steroids 100 percent you can get that way. Now, you can't look like, you know, Jay Cutler or Ronnie Coleman or, you know, Phil Heath. Like, you can't look like that without taking anabolic steroids. Do you think when a lot of these, like, celebrity guys are up for a role where they have to get rid of their yeah, juice? 100%. Sure. Dude, for sometimes sure. I'm like, I remember, like, Robert De Niro and Cape Fear. 
That was he was a fucking older guy, dude. And it's like, you know, Robert De Niro, like whatever, regular guy. Sure, you had Raging Bull, Robert De Niro, but this is like a long ass time yeah. later. I don't know if you guys remember that. And Kate Fury came out and he was just this fucking monster. Well, in, in the Well, you're in, in the world a little bit. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Do celebrities do drugs? Oh yeah. Yeah. So would they? Why would they say no to doing yeah. some steroids especially before now, a role? Especially nowadays, because you can go get um, shit. My my mother in law takes HGH and like, oh, that's I want to ask you guys about yeah, that. So, so they, a few, so they go a few take, years ago. I was on this kick where I wanted to like get you know in shape or lose weight or whatever, and so I had a friend that worked with AIDS patients, and so she had a hookup for like HGH and needles and stuff. So I started buying HGH off her and like shooting it in my in my belly fat, you know. And I really, I stuck to the regimen. I did it according to the right doses for my body weight and age and all that stuff. And it never did shit. Like yeah. I never noticed anything. HGH is very subtle. People ask me, all, I've taken HGH. Um, I haven't in years, um, but I, I ran it and I ran it up to as doses as high as eight IUs in a, in a day before, which is pretty high. Typically doctors that recommend it uh, prescribe it as low to as one to three IUs in a day. It's not something that you feel. It's not. So, I mean, you. you it's do, not like testosterone. Yeah, like I, when I explain, I think that's what I was expecting. I was yeah, like, oh, yeah, I think man, most in people do. Months, I'm gonna have a six pack. Like, yeah, no, no, not at all like that. In fact, the things that I notice after taking it, and it takes about three to four months before you even feel anything at all. The things that I noticed were I had great sleep. I woke up in the morning full of energy. Uh, my energy throughout the day was consistent. I noticed my skin, my hair, things like that. Um, I, I noticed from HGH. I didn't feel super strong in the gym. I wasn't putting all this crazy muscle on. Now, a lot of bodybuilders will couple that with steroid stacks, and that's where you really get – when you start uh, adding compounds on compounds and you're taking a massive dose like 10 IUs or more – that's where you really start to know where uh, HGH, where people and that's also it. the danger zone, right? Yeah, that's right. when you start to right. get the negatives. What about some of the natural stuff like, um, like uh, deer or elk antler extract, pine <laughs> pollen extract, stuff like that? No, Fugazi. No, no it's all. Yeah, I mean, Fugazi's. No, sure. I mean they've they've got some. They've there's some studies to show that there may be an effect, uh, or but, even like colostrum, like la- grass. No, there's health. There's health benefits to it, definitely. But is it this? Not in terms of like. Is it this muscle building like miracle? No, I mean, here's your supp- Here's a supplement that'll build muscle on most people. Well, they'll notice an actual effect. Creatine. Creatine will put muscle it's on. It's legit still because that's old school. Cre- it's, 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 it's the most studied. The, the it's most, most studied, and, it, and for most people, they'll see a benefit in the gym in terms of strength. They'll gain a little bit of muscle. They'll build a little faster on it. It's safe. It's actually highly recommended if you're vegan. In fact, vegans get a boost in, in, in cognitive function when they take it because they don't get any from their food. It has some maybe antioxidant effects. Creatine, some people would even say is a nootropic for some people. Right. But for building muscle, uh, like good diet, lifting weights properly. I mean, uh, you know, we have people – look, you know how many of our, of our, uh, of our fans – will buy our programs, do our programs, and throw away 99% of their supplements and get better gains than they'd ever had in their entire lives. I mean, the workout and the nutrition is pretty much everything. And well, if you want to throw an extra A lot of how we built Mind. We built Mind Pump on that message, which basically fucked us for getting sponsors for the first two years that we were in company. <laughs> yeah. Most companies that sponsor health podcasts are supplements. And we basically came out and said at the very beginning is throw all that shit away, save your money, learn, get buy better quality food, learn how to program, learn how to exercise correctly, and you're going to see more gains you've ever seen in your life than any of those supplements. And that was our message for a very, very long time. It still is our message. That, and we tell people that, that 
you know, supplement, you're talking about, um, you know, putting a spoiler on a Honda Civic, right? We talk about that. Like, the, what is that really going to fucking <laughs> putting do? Putting lipstick on a pig. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like yeah, putting, yeah. it's still a fucking pig, right? Yeah, there's, yeah. And, and if you got, there's so many other things for you to address and fix before you even do that. And I tell people, like, if, I mean, I guess if you've got two, $300 to burn every month and you just want to try shit out, then, like, be it by all means. But most people don't have two, $300 just to throw away every single month. So then it's pretty silly. There's so many other, there's so many other big rocks that you should focus on first before you start even addressing things like that. And if you were just at, I'm going to, I want to take a pill out of give me a supplement. What's the best supplement? It's creatine. Create, there's nothing out there that comes close to it. And even that you're talking about very minimal as far as yeah, a few what, percent increase yeah if you eat like shit and you have poor programming like you don't really understand creatine ain't gonna do shit yeah, for you creatine yeah. ain't gonna do nothing for you so what about l-glutamine so yeah. l-glutamine is an amino acid uh it's one of the most it's the, i believe it's the most abundant amino acid found in skeletal muscle so the theory behind it was supplement with l-glutamine to replenish your L-glutamine stores when you're lifting weights, okay? If you eat adequate protein, no, it's not going to do anything for you. L-glutamine may have some benefit for some people for gut health, but L-glutamine is also uh, an amino acid that feeds cancer cells. So if you're in a pro-cancer state, if you're unhealthy and you take a lot of L-glutamine, might not be a good idea. Is it something I recommend to people? I used to because I thought it was a good idea, but no. It's not going to do anything. The key for you. word that you said right there is that if somebody is, if you're getting adequate protein, it's not necessary. You have all the amino acids so, yeah, you need. Yeah, if you're if you're eating steak and chicken and fish, and if you're getting a, a, a diet that has got a great variety of all types of meats in it, you're not missing out on anything in there. You're and that even creatine because I mean, what you have like 0.5 to three grams of creatine per you know eight to twelve ounce steak. So if you eat red meat on a pretty regular basis, you're even getting yeah. enough of your your creatine intake. So what about the uh, like the branch chain amino acids, like the pre workout drinks? Thing. That, fall, that falls in the glutamine category. So oh, yeah, yeah that, that falls in the same category as far as if you're getting adequate protein, you're getting all your amino acids. I mean that's all, protein is amino acids. That's all. And right. the, all they're doing is they separated some of the ones out. That were known for recovery, and so then they market it. Yeah. But it's like it's not going to it's not going to do anything for it. I mean, if you're uh, if you're deficient in protein, um, you're low. You guys protein. are saving me and the listeners a lot of money right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could help you. I mean, you know, and here's the thing: they'll they'll do studies and they'll say, okay, leucine, which is one of the branched amino acids, right? Leucine stimulates mTOR, uh, mTOR, mammalian target rapamycin, which is the signaler that tells your body to build muscle. Therefore, leucine must build muscle. When you look at studies. Don't just look at these little like intermediate signals. Look at the end result. I don't care what we see in this lab result that shows it stimulates this production of mTOR or whatever. I want to see does it build muscle, does it improve performance, does it make people build more muscle. When people eat adequate protein, supplementing with leucine does shit. Nothing. It's not going to do anything for you. Uh, also, let's also consider what mTOR does besides build muscle. It is also a very powerful signal for cancer growth. So there's also a double-edged sword there. So when people learn that mTOR is this muscle-building signal, it became this drive in the supplement industry to stimulate as much mTOR as possible. Well, if you're in a potentially cancerous state, if you're unhealthy, you're a smoker or whatever, and you're like, hey, I want to build muscle, I want to stimulate the hell out of mTOR, probably not a good idea. You may be causing something that could be a problem for yourself. So no, for, for the most part, individual amino acids – 
a waste of. I mean, I hate to say it. I mean, I'm sure supplement companies are. are we piss off enough of them, but well, it's just that's cool. Money. I mean, you only need a couple advertisers. <laughs> well, there's a, there's so many things. We sell like, our own programs. Like I, I, told I, you, I have like, I have supplement companies that advertise on my show, but they don't have anything to do with workouts. Well, you know? you know, it's like it's like what I told you when, earlier when I talked about that. If, when I would assess someone's diet, normally there's something that you're you're lacking. Like I can normally tell that someone is not you know, not getting enough of the fiber in there or getting too much sugar, not enough protein, not getting enough healthy fats. Typically, there is something almost in every diet I've ever looked at where someone's kind of missing. Me helping them tweak that does more than any supplement they could ever possibly think of taking. Like just literally pointing that out and saying like, okay, have you ever used a Fat Secret or MyFitnessPal, one of those apps, tracked your food for one week, then looked at it and go, okay, well, what's the RDA for fiber? What's the RDA for protein? What's it? What you look at what you're supposed to get and then go, oh shit, wow, it's pretty, wow, I missed that a lot. Like, let's try taking that or let's try eating more of that and seeing what happens. Like, holy shit, watch how you feel. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, that right there will trump almost, well, not almost, any supplement. Any supplement on the market. Careful saying that word in Hollywood. <laughs> 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 you know, a bunch of Antifa thugs right, crawl right, through the right. back of the window and try and... It really will, though. Out. I mean, if you, if, you, if you address the things that your body is not getting, that it wants and it needs, it will surpass any benefits that you could potentially get from any of these over-the-counter bullshit supplements. I mean, if we're not talking about synthetic testosterone and we're just talking about branched-chain amino acids, glutamine, creatine, you know, what else, fuck DHEA, what else we talk about, all these other supplements that are out there that are trying to market to you. If you fix the little things that are going wrong in your your diet where you're missing nutrients that your body needs, it's amazing. they're yeah. all responsible for making these systems run and all the it's just like a car right it's like it's like running a car and like putting the spoiler on on it but then the timing is fucked up the tires are flat and you have no oil it's like well fix the oil fix the tires like sure you could put a spoiler on it but those things are going to make the the car run so much faster and smoother don't waste your money on on the stupid. I I totally agree. This is a lot of like I was telling you guys before I record when I work with clients, something they always want to get into because everyone wants to cheat and get ahead without doing work, right? So they're like, oh, I, you know, I need productivity. I want focus and cognition. Like I want the smart drugs and the nootropics. And then I'm like, dude, I find out they drink diet coke or something. I'm like your brain's full of aspartame, man. <laughs> it doesn't matter what fucking herb I give you. Like you need to get the aspartame out of your system. Detox. Do colonics. Right. It actually, you were mentioning like the, um, you know, the health of your digestive system. To me, that's like you just fix someone's gut and their colon, and a hundred other problems go away. Oh, absolutely. So it, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like that was the, when I got into health. That was the first thing I started doing was like a lot of fasting and colonics, and it was like I was like a new man, yeah. and I didn't do anything else. You mm-hmm. know, there what there is one little workout hack though. I want to see if you guys have heard of this, and this is not a supplement, but. It's actually a cancer, an alternative cancer treatment, but I found out some people use it um, for, for like, you know, when you really want to work out hard, and that is taking baking soda, like mm-hmm. a glass of baking soda. It, I, it's like you produces buffers lactic oxide acid. or yeah. something like that. So you know that? It, it's supposed to buffer lactic acid so you can perform 
and do more reps as you're lifting weights. What the fuck? How Unfortunately, this is so. Here's the here's like baking soda biohacker stuff. Now here's yeah, like yeah. a tablespoon of it. Yeah, or I got here's the whole box. Of I it think it I increases lift. the oxygen yeah, to your cells or yeah, something. To that but thing. here's the thing: like you have to take a sh- so much baking soda. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta eat like a box. You wouldn't of baking be able. Soda. <laughs> yeah, you have a tough time working out. Uh, you may have diarrhea. And you may have some problems. It's not very. Uh, what's the word? Uh, I'll give you. I'll give you a workout hack since you like hacking and stuff. Here's a cool hack. That's what I'm getting at. I keep like like new studies. And I'm like, I'm going to find one shortcut here. Uh, BFR, blood flow restriction. So if you want a cool bio or a cool hack right now in, in this, the science training world, physiology, right? I, BFR is fucking cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. The research that's coming out on that. Uh, we wrote a guide on this uh, two years ago. Yeah. Um, I remember I, I just came across it about two and a half years before, like uh, maybe six months before that. When I remember bringing it to these guys, like, hey, check this out. Look at the research that's on this. We all dove into it. Super fascinating. Since then, it's completely evolved, and everybody knows it's all good now. But uh, basically, blood occlusion is what you're doing. And where there's a lot of value to it, like big time, is uh, rehab, your athletes, somebody who has like a knee injury they just had, and you can't lift heavy weight. So the idea is that you tie off a limb, and you're restricting the blood from coming out. So it allows the blood to go into the muscle, but because it's tied off, and you're tying it off with like a like a knee wrap, so it has a last. You're not totally tying it off. Yeah, you don't want to cut off blood supply. Not like a a junkie. And we we have a a guide. So mind you, we we wrote a guide for this exact purpose to teach people how to do this correctly and safely. So because it sounds crazy, right? You're tying off a limb to exercise, but basically the protocol is that you restrict enough that the blood can get into the muscle, but it takes it takes a long time for it to get out. So you get all of this lactic acid buildup, and you get the benefits of sarcoplasmic hypertrophy. So basically, when we chase the pump, you get that burning sensation, all the blood and all the fluid runs in the muscle, and you get that, and it feels all pumped up and it's burning. Well, you're doing that, but now you're kind of controlling it by by tying it off. You don't so need you don't need to use heavy weight. Yeah, you very use, lightweight. And, it, and it, the, the waste buildup in the muscle stimulates muscle growth, as if you were lifting. Or similar to like if you were lifting heavy weight. Now it's not the same, so it just can't replace heavy weights. But like Adam said, if you're injured, if I have a hurt back or whatever, but I don't want my legs to atrophy um, and I can't lift heavy weight, what can I do? Occlusion training. It's a, it's a, it's, and this is a real hack. It's legit. It's backed by lots of science. You're going to see lots of physical therapists start doing it if they're not already. I mean, it's it's very fascinating. Yeah, cool. It's, oh, that's yeah, interesting. It's not all the way out there because I just like I'll still get a client every now and then who just had knee surgery, and I and then I tell them to go talk to their doctor about it, and then some of the doctors are just not up on it. That's just because they're not up. But then others are, are. It's starting to get around now for sure. If you're talking to someone who's dealing with elite level athletes, all your hockey, football, soccer players are all savvy they're to it. Yeah, they're that. definitely on board and, uh, and know that this is. I mean, it's just it's brilliant when because that was one of the hardest things when you're rehabbing somebody that has a, a condition like that where they've just torn ACL and MCL like I can't go take that person squat even though I know squatting is going to build their legs better than anything I can't have them squatting after a surgery this, you just described a current problem because my right knee's tweaked and it's like a perfect excuse not to go work out because right. I'm like how am I going to not like squat you so know? what we'll do remind me when, we're, when after the podcast I'll give you access I'll give you send you the guide over for free so you could try it out so you have the protocol on exactly how to do it and you'll you'll tie off it hurts book. yeah it burns it's not easy yeah, it burns. It's like fire inside your leg, yeah. but uh, <laughs> but it will prevent atrophy and problem and possibly build muscle, and you won't have to use you use very lightweight. And it's as quick. the waste builds up, you really can't con- can't contract the muscle. It's, it's quick. It's five sets. You're only resting fifteen to thirty seconds in between, and, and you're done. That's it. That's that's all you do. Interesting. 
Hey, check this out. I recently launched something on my site called the Master Market. It's a super cool store where I've got different categories, whether it be spirituality, mind focus, outdoors, food, superfoods, supplements, bedroom, sleep, office, jet lag, biohacking. There's even a bookstore from some of my favorite books and books recommended by my guests. And what this is, is like a hub where you can go find all of the links to everything I've either used and vetted or I'm currently using in my life to build the ultimate lifestyle. So it's called The Master Market, Luke's Lifestyle List, and you can find it at lukestory.com forward slash store. Just go to my site and you'll see it in the navigation. Now, what's really cool about this is when you make a purchase through my store, I'm not actually selling you anything. I'm just curating a really dope place where you can go find the best stuff. So I get a piece of commission if you make a sale through the site. The vendor, of course, makes some cash because you buy and you get a place where you can go and save time and money from not having to look around for the best stuff and do all the research yourself. But what's even cooler is most of those items come with a custom discount code if you go through my site, which is pretty cool. So it's a win, 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 triple trifecta win. Great way to support my work and the podcast and the show, as well as the brands and your own health and well-being. Check it out. LukeStory.com forward slash store speaking of hacks have you guys heard of this uh, i think it's the arx machine oh no. yeah big greenfield yes oh no. yeah, yeah yes you have it that, like that, it's the remember the very first one oh he did, is we, that it yeah yeah that ben does it, oh, it's like, sponsored it's, with I, I don't know exactly how it works but essentially the my interpretation of it is, is it it reads the tension yeah and so it always meets you with yes. resistance. So maximum tension. It's, it's the whole giving time. you yeah. maximum tension yeah. the entire time through the rep. Yeah. Here's yeah. the thing. Uh, this is uh, Ben Pikulski, who we just talked to, is a, a big advocate of, of training this way, of, of maximizing the tension through the entire range of motion. Again, uh, can I can take that machine, I can take that type of training, and I could put a... 30-day study to show you the the benefits of muscle growth behind all that. Now, what we always have to take into consideration is, again, the body is an adaptation machine. So if you were to train this way for six months, the returns are going to start to diminish after about four to six weeks. So if you do, if you show these, when these people come up with cool machines or cool concepts and ideas like this, they wrap it around this six to 12 week study time. And of course, if you take, you know, 30 people, you put them in, you train this way, boom, you're going to see all that because they've never trained that way before. That's a, it's a new adaptation that's new to their bodies. They've never done an exercise that's been able to mirror and match that, that intensity throughout the entire rep range. But train that way all the time and the body will get very efficient at it and then the amount of muscle growth that you're going to get is going to start to diminish and so it'll be important for you this is why too like all the programs that we create they phase you in and out so you're never training in the same adaptation for longer than three to four weeks before we phase you into another trend so like when we our programming is completely opposite of how everybody else's market everybody else markets oh 30 to 60 days the most muscle we tell people it's going to take like a year you should go through all this programming you should phase in and out and it should take you a year just to get through our entire programming so and that's because the body will if it no matter how great a program great a concept great a machine is uh sooner or later the body gets very efficient at that and the results now become pretty norm and now the best thing that person could possibly do is almost anything else which is why when someone asks me a question like hey adam what's the best exercise for this i look back at him i say well tell me what you've been doing right whatever you you haven't been doing is the best it's also why i always tell on the podcast i say this a lot of time most everybody 
everybody, almost everybody is doing the things they're not supposed to be doing. What I mean by that is you have these camps, like you have the super crunchy hippie yoga people who meditate, they're mindful, they lift light weights, they do more stretching flexibility. Those motherfuckers need some beast mode in their life. They need a little bit of intensity in their life. Then you have the type A people that grind at work, they don't take days off, they punish their body when they get to gym. Those people need to meditate a little bit and they need some of that in their life. It's funny how we gravitate to what we love or what we feel comfortable with or what, whatever, but everybody seems to get stuck in their box. And the thing that we're always trying to teach people is you got to learn to have some perspective and, and ask yourself like, fuck, have I been that guy for a while? Am I always meditating and doing yoga and stretching? And when was the last time I got after yeah. it inside the gym? Yeah. When, when was just it? described my current trend for like the past six months. <laughs> right. And I it, was on like a really good kind of more balanced track there for yeah. a while. And then, uh, you know, and then my knees started hurting and whatever shit happened. And right. And, 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 that, and that's what happens to it everybody. It sucks though. It sucks. Cause I'm like, ah, I could have been a contender. Like I was on it there for, you know, <laughs> about a year I was going strong. If, if people are truly honest with themselves and the, and they reflect and have some perspective on it. Most all of us tend to do that. Even myself. I mean, we've been doing this for as long as we have. Of course, you like to do what you're good at. Yeah. You're, you're always I'm gonna... really good at sitting on my ass. <laughs> we are. We're, we're going to gravitate to the things that we enjoy and we like. And there, there's well, some. It's true because there's some guys like you know. I tell them about meditation. They go, "Do you just sit there for 20 minutes or like going in a float tank for two and a half hours?" They're like, "Dude, what do you do?" I'm like, "Do yeah. you have peace, man? That's what every man wants. We just want fucking peace. I know how to find it." But, you know, the other side of it is, you know, it's it's creating that balance. Um, you mentioned something, two things, actually, I wanted to touch on with you guys. And you mentioned machines. So I want to talk about that. Machines versus, you know, more, I guess you could say, natural movement. And then the adaptation to the machines. And then you also mentioned range of motion, like being able to work with weight within your range of motion. So let's start with the machines. Because to me, I've always had an aversion to gyms because... I just go in there and my body's like, what the fuck are these metal things? Like, this is not fun. There's bad lighting, smells like rubber. There's like VOCs in the air. There's fucking EMFs. It's just like a gym typically is not a healthy environment. And then when you go to the machines, it's like, I would never do this 50 times if I was out in nature. Well, you know, there's, so <laughs> there's that school of thought. And then there's the adaptation to those very specific movements. But I know that you get a result. So if I want a bigger bicep, so machines were works. primarily designed for two major purposes. Right, Rehabil so you know I'm going with this: rehabilitation okay. and hypertrophy. So okay. those were the two main purposes that machines were designed. So rehabbing somebody who has an injury, which is they're amazing for. You got an injury. I want to keep like if you got a shoulder issue. And I want to do. I still want to work your bicep out. I want to make sure I blocking you in a machine that's going to lock your shoulder stationary, where you can just focus on the bicep and work it out, is awesome. Because then I don't have to worry about you potentially injuring your sh your shoulder because it's already injured. But yet I can still work your bicep. Awesome for rehab for things like that. Then hypertrophy. Hypertrophy just means building muscle. So if I have a specific area, like for the bodybuilder guy who's trying to build just his rear delt, getting a machine that works in this specific range of motion where I can attack a small muscle in my body because I'm trying to sculpt it and shape it, some benefit there too. Now, you mentioned the uh, we never do this. Thing. Well, now, if you're looking for functional it's not very. It's not the most beneficial thing whatsoever. Because when are you ever going to do this or do or this or be locked into or a, be locked a into a position. position? It's not functional whatsoever. Um, but I believe that they they both have their place. They both have their place and they have their benefit. If I had to choose one or the other, obviously functional 
because that one's carrying over into real life. It's more bang for your buck with your barbells and dumbbells and kettlebells and those kinds of movements, body weight movements. Uh, but machines are a great, a great thing to add. I mean, they're great frequency builders. We, we actually incorporate machines uh, more so in one of our programs, MAPS Aesthetic, uh, mainly because it's a great way to add frequency and volume to your workout, which is great for muscle hypertrophy. But it's not going to tear you up as much as you know, barbell, dumbbell movements where I'm fatigued on this particular day. I just did my heavy squats and my heavy deadlifts and all that stuff. So, But I do want to add volume and, and some more frequency to my training. Now I can go and use these machines, which isn't going to hammer my central nervous system as much. But they both have their benefits. I mean, there's lots of drawbacks to machines too. With the machine, I'm stuck in the, in, in the plane of motion and what the machine says I'm supposed to do. And if I'm a, a tall guy or a short guy or I'm a little wider or whatever... It might not be ideal for my body, whereas with the free weight, it matches my body. Now, that being said, like Adam said, there you could completely do away with the machines and do everything with free weights, but it, I don't think you could ever do away with free weights. So if you had to compare the two, right. free weights would be superior. Um, it's, it's interesting because I've been training with my brother, and he's like body weight, club bells, kettlebells, just all that stuff, bars, you know. Um, Ace bells, gymnast shit, the rings, oh, the rings you know, yeah. all that, all that stuff. Just it's all about like mobility and, and all that stuff. So I've been doing all that, and I hadn't been to a normal gym with machines in a long time. And I went on a trip to New York, and I was with my girlfriend at the time, who was like a real gym rat. She's like, "We got to go to the gym. I'm going to freak out." So I was like, "All right." So I went to the gym, and I actually, because I hadn't worked with machines in so long, I fucking loved it. And I walked out of there, and literally my shirts didn't fit. And I was like, "What? I don't get that from like throwing kettlebells." Sure. So you get the pump. Well, there you go. That's the yeah. So, so that's, I was like, "Oh, that's fuck." That's I wouldn't what, so, actually mind, you know, having a machine around here or there because it was like I felt strong as shit because I was isolating my upper body so much. That's it, the hypertrophy like, side of it, right? Yeah, like you swing a a real even a really heavy kettlebell around. It's like your whole body's working. And I love that feeling, and you get that balance, and your core's engaged, and all that shit. Here's the problem with but fit- you're not. Yes. I don't walk out of there like wow, I can't button my shirt. No, here's <laughs> the know? problem with fitness. It's all or nothing. Everybody's like all or nothing. I'm all kettlebell, and I hate everything else. I'm only barbells. I hate everything else. I do rings and nothing else. Body weight, nothing right. else. Machines, nothing else. They all have a benefit. And if you learn how to utilize all of them, man, fitness is fun. You have a fucking great time and your body changes and you know when to use what and when I need to avoid you know, the kettlebells because of this particular problem with my arms. So now I'm going to focus more on machines. And now I don't want to do so much hypertrophy. I want to build functional strength. So I'm going to go over here. I mean, they're all fucking great. If I don't know you, why we have to pick one well, or the other. Well, if you yeah. actually, if so, you know, our, our most popular program is the one-year program. It's our super bundle. So if you actually go through that, you will have gone through bodyweight exercises. You'll go through all kinds of like functional multi-planar movements. You'll touch rings. You'll touch like your TRX stuff. You'll do clubs. You'll do mace bells. You'll do kettlebells. You'll do uh, machines. You'll do barbells. You'll do dumbbells. You'll you'll pretty much touch everything. And we, we encourage that. We tell people that get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your box. Like stop. That's I mean most people the best thing they could possibly do is whatever the fuck they're they're not doing right now. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, the best yeah. thing for you. You want me to tell <laughs> you what's the best thing for you? About which is the better workout? How about you just do something that's right. like that's yeah, the, and or, probably different than what you're doing because right. your body your body is efficient. It's gonna figure that out. And if you're in this game for change, like totally different. If like you're like I, if someone comes to me and they say, Adam, I like the way I look. I like the way I feel. I love my workout. I don't want anything changed. Well, keep fucking doing what you're doing. But if you're coming to me and you want change and you're like, I want 
I want to lose my belly fat. I want to build muscle. What's the best thing you're doing? Well, it's probably not what you're doing because you've probably been doing that for quite some time. And it doesn't take very long. It only takes about four to six weeks for the body to get very adapted to whatever you're doing. So then the, then it's very efficient. And then the results, as far as change is concerned, starts to really diminish after that. Right. And when so, you adapt, you're saying. Yes. Yeah. So once so you... Is it, by adaptation, is it that your nervous system sort of goes, ah, I know what you're doing now. Both. Everything. Muscle, nervous system, oh, okay. everything. Everything. So, I mean, uh, you know, metabolic adaptation happens when you are doing lots of cardio. Your, your body becomes very efficient. Shit, that happens even faster. Yeah, so if we you're you know, a long-distance runner who does lots of running, is going to burn less calories running a mile than I will because I never run a mile. They're going to burn yeah, their body. Become well, that's why marathon people don't disappear. I mean, if, if calories in versus calories out existed, the marathon people would disappear. Yeah, I mean, their body they, became as very much as they run to train for the marathon and then run the marathon. Mathematically, if you were to break it down, like they would fucking. In disappear. fact, they did a study on uh, modern hunter gatherers, and they figured they're like, God, how does this work? Like they don't eat that much, and they're so active. How are they able to even live? Like this doesn't make any sense. And they did some pretty advanced metabolic testing, and they found that these. Hunter-gatherers, even though they were way more active than the average couch potato, didn't burn that many more calories. Their body had become very efficient. And it makes evolutionary sense. It makes no sense that your body would... Is this why there are so many fat joggers? Yep, absolutely. 100%. And also fat yogis, dude. Yes. Like, I'll see, like, a yoga... Like, yoga teachers are often fat. Yeah. Or they're skinny fat. If Okay, so you have to ask, you have to look at Which is what... weird, but what they, they do like beast mode yoga. I mean, it's like hardcore yoga. No, and still, I'm you like, have to look at what adaptation you're asking your body to have. So if I'm doing lots of cardio, what I'm asking my body to do is become very efficient with calorie burning. That's what I'm asking my body to do. And so the way it becomes efficient, with, at first you burn lots of calories, but then your body's like, oh, we got to become efficient because we need to survive. And the way it does that is it, 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 it you lose muscle. It doesn't burn muscle, but it start you start to lose muscle because lighter. muscle's expensive. It's lighter. Think of it evolutionary, like you said. I mean, you're you're basically your brain is thinking like, oh, Adam is making me travel twelve miles every day really fast. I need to get rid of some of this extra weight, mm -hmm. and so and some of that is fat, but some of that is muscle also. And you don't need lots of muscle. To and then do it that. says, how do I conserve the little bit of food that he's feeding me every single day? I, I mean, cardio is one of the worst ways for you to burn fat. And I've tripped <laughs> people you. trip out when I tell people that. Like, thank you, dude. Because cardio I used to try is to lose cardio is one of the no, worst. Nothing ever happened. Yeah, no matter how much fucking it's, it only takes. So I told you four to six weeks for ah, weight so training adaptation happened. For uh, cardiovascular, that starts happening two to three weeks. It's quick, man. Two to three weeks of doing the same type of cardio, your body's getting real efficient. Yeah, if you, if you want to burn body fat, uh, the best thing you could do is to tell your body to become less efficient with its calories. And in order for your body to do that, it has to have a good reason. And the good reason is uh, I need this muscle to be stronger and bigger to lift these heavy objects. Because your body doesn't know you're in the gym. It thinks you're trying to survive. Resistance training, by far, long-term, is the most effective form of exercise. If you had to pick just one, we don't think you should. We think you should do a lot of things. But if you just had to pick one to maintain a lean, uh, lean body weight, resistance training. Nothing is more effective. It'll speed your metabolism. We've had... So many clients come to us who were these, these bikini competitors who starved their bodies and did shit tons of cardio. I'd have these bikini girls come to me who were doing an hour and a half of cardio every single day and eating 1,000 calories a day. That's it. And anything more than that, and they gain weight. Their body had become so efficient 
that if they did, if they stopped doing that, they would balloon up. Oh, uh, so they box themselves into that. Yep. This happens that's, quite a bit. It's very, very common in the competitive yeah. world. They these competitors, what they've proven is they have incredible discipline that they can say, "Hey, the next twelve weeks, I'm going to starve and train hard for twelve weeks," and they do, and they get on stage and they present their physiques, and then they go to shit afterwards because. They can't maintain that. It's not realistic. Who the fuck is going to do cardio two hours a day plus a training session and only eat a thousand? Like that's just not realistic. Yeah. Nobody can maintain that. Yeah. Right. Not long term. The other thing I wanted to touch on was uh, something that you alluded to, and that was the range of motion. So I know for myself, like there's some movements that I want to do, and it sounds exciting, and I'm sure are good for me, but I lack the range of motion in some of my joints and things like that. So, how can someone a assess? their range of motion so that they can work within that safely in terms of weight and things like that, like adding load. So I want to change your life after this podcast. Okay. So you know. And if you find that you have limited, like my hips are just, they're made of fucking concrete. You so, know what I mean? So it limits a lot of stuff that I want to do. So how could one, you know, assess the range of motion and then increase it? We actually, uh, I believe we're the only person who's, who's done this, that's created a program at home in order to do this. So uh, it's an at-home assessment to that you uh, actually put yourself through an assessment to figure out what areas you're lacking these range this range of motion, and then what areas you need to address, and then what movements to do. Um, most of it is a neurological disconnect. What ends up happening to us, like if you ever looked at like a toddler who's uh, playing with toys, they you ever see how they sit down? They sit all the way down, and they'll, they could sit there in that squatted position and play with toys. And little bastards. Right. <laughs> so I get jealous when I see The crazy kids, part, though, God. is uh, that was all of us. So at what point in our lives did we lose that? And why did we lose that? And do we still have that? And can we still go there? Like, if I laid you down right now and I shoved your knees up into your stomach, I could get it up all the way just like I told you. So you have the range of motion. It's there, but maybe if I asked you to squat all the way down like a toddler, you might not be able to do it. Maybe you'd fall over or you'd fall forward or you just wouldn't be able to get down there. So, And that's because you've lost connection. The muscle's there. The range of motion is there. You've lost a neurological connection, and so we have to repattern that. We have to get back to that, and we have to. And there's exercises to do that based on the area. Right. So that's just an example, but that's what this this program, it's Maps Prime Pro, that we created. And it was okay. How does someone assess? Figure this out, and then okay, what movements does this person do to get that range of motion back, or get that connection yeah. back to that range of motion? Range of motion is literally what you can do with good control and stability. That's your range of motion. So if it's short, that's what you're working with. And your goal is to start to move it, lengthen it little by little, gain more control, more stability in greater and greater ranges of motion. If you train outside of that range of motion uh, where you don't have control and stability, now you have injury. So that's what uh, I'm getting at. Yeah. Right. So like I think that's a lot of people they're like, okay, January first, I'm getting in shape. I'm gonna go bench press a bunch of weight and they fucking have locked shoulders. Right, right. You know, and right. it's it's dangerous. So man. a lot of people think this is like a, you know, and I don't, I don't want to be polarized for or against anything. We kind of talked about the dogma of it, but that's sort of like I see a lot of people coming out of CrossFit, like, ah, it really tweaked because they try and do things that their body's not. It's ready intensity to do. focused. It's so a lot of people think stretching. Stretching is gonna give me the range of motion that I want. Now, stretching is going to give you a passive range of motion. So if I do a bunch of hamstring stretches, I'll be able to bend over deeper, but do I have control of that range of motion? 
No, I don't because I didn't connect to it. And so what I've actually done is increased instability. So I can't tell you how many yoga Right, dude. Yeah, I can't tell you how many yoga right. instructors I've had come to like me. Like bendy people that don't have stability. It's terrible. Okay, okay. So, yeah, yeah. so flexibility without strength is instability, okay? Right. It's just as bad, maybe even worse than being super tight. You want to be connected to that range of motion. Dude, so- I just interviewed a next level yoga teacher in New York. She does this type of yoga called Katona Yoga, and she said the exact same thing. Because most yogis are like, oh, I'm so flexible, I can do this bendy thing. And she she said that same thing. She's like, flexibility without strength is fucking whack. Right. However she put it, she's like, well, it's... Well, real yoga, yeah. real good yoga tells you to to connect to the movement. So if I'm in Warrior One or Warrior Two, and I'm doing this pose, and I'm stretching... They literally tell you, do not sit in your end range of motion. Don't let the mat hold you up. Don't let your feet, you have to stay tense within the poses because what they're telling you to do without realizing it is to connect to that new range of motion. So if you're stretching your hamstrings, if I'm on the floor and I'm just trying to touch my toes, one of the best things I could do is resist with my hamstrings and connect to that new range of motion. And that's just a simple technique. And it, it gets more complex. And like Adam said in our program, we walk people through how to do that. And what you end up with is, real range of motion, real mobility. So not just I can bend my leg up here, but I can bend it up there without having to hold it up with my hand and I can squat wheel low with good control and good stability. And now you have uh, you know, injury avoidance. You have full range of motion that you could do with resistance training where you build more muscle and you feel much better. But you have to be connected to those ranges of motions. If you're not, then you might as well not have them. The exciting part is that anybody can get there. You can get there still, even if you've lost it. Oh, you would trip. You would yeah. trip at how, how much you could progress with the right programming when it comes to, like you said, range of motion. Yeah, well, I believe what you were saying, like when you look at an infant in their range of motion and the ability, I know that my body still has that right. somewhere. You know, that's the thing. But I really make the connection how you said the nervous system doesn't know that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, or it's forgotten that. Or, or I become... Um, you know, I've adapted to sitting in an office chair. I've had like negative adaptations that make my nervous system think that I can't do this or that. Right. right. I mean, you could use, I mean, use that as a perfect example also. Most common syndrome found in people is upper cross syndrome, which is the rounded shoulders and the forward head. And what ends up happening is the, all these muscles up here are overactive. So we're sending a ton of neurons here. So they're overactive. They're contracted because we do everything here. The ones back there that are responsible for taking me here are underactive and eventually go to fucking sleep because you never ever we never do anything back here and if you're not doing the proper work to get you there then this is what ends up happening here 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 and the next thing you know we're 70 years That's old the little old man walking across the street with right, the right. he didn't get, and i always tell people that guy you see walking with a cane and he's looking straight down at the ground and he can't look up he didn't wake up like that he didn't go. He didn't get there that was from a last slow year. It was a slow progression over sixty years. Imagine with cell phones, right? <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. oh you're seeing forward head and, 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 oh, and yeah. kids. Yeah, it's oh, it's man. interesting to see where where we're going with all that stuff. So it's uh pretty right. crazy. So so I got I got one more question for you guys. A little off the beaten path here from where we've been going. Um, more on the psychological tip, but we're we're coming up on. Uh, an hour and 45 minutes here. Definitely going to be a double episode, which is great. Thanks for hanging in there. No problem. Guys. I don't, you know, I, when you, when you want to interview someone, they're always like, well, how long is it? I'm like, it's an hour. And in my head, I'm like, hopefully not. Like, hopefully we can keep going, you know, cause who knows when you guys are going to be back down here. So this has to do with something that I see on social media a lot. And it kind of gets into the political correctness zone a little bit. And that is like 
this whole idea about like fat shaming and, you know, not feeling bad about your body if you're overweight or you don't fit the status quo or you're not a supermodel. And this is, I don't have a position on this and I expect you guys to either, but it's just something. Oh, we do. <laughs> it's like a psychological and social sort of phenomenon that I trip on because there's two sides to it. There's like, sure, man, love and accept yourself no matter like how tweaked your body looks or if it doesn't fit the norm or you don't look like a model on the cover of Maxim magazine or Playboy magazine, whatever. Like, cool, that's great. I try to love myself. Things about my body I really don't like at all. And I just do my best to accept it. But then there's the other side of it, which is like celebrating someone for being morbidly obese. And, you know, maybe they're a parent and they're like, I'm fucking fat and I'm owning it. It's awesome. I live on pizza and I don't, I love myself and they're going to die and leave their kid a fucking yeah. orphan. You know, no. it's like, no, there's, there's two. What, what's the deal? You know what I'm getting at here? There's two pieces to it. We address this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number one, don't confuse your body image with your self image. Okay, oh, so, so that's, damn. That's, I wish I want to do tweetables on the show. Sometimes people <laughs> say like nuggets like yeah. that. And I'm like, we'll put them in the show notes. Yeah. Of course, it's, that's very important that you don't do say that. Say that one and, more time. Uh, don't confuse your body image with your self image. So oh, God, you don't want to identify with your body whether you're fit and ripped or whether you're obese and out of shape. Once you identify right. you're with your body, like a, like a true yogi now. <laughs> yeah. Well, once <laughs> you, you identify with your body, you, you develop problems. You develop yeah. uh, issues with with uh, mental wellness and, and overall health. I mean, we've encountered many people who are very unhealthy who look super ripped and fit, just like there's people who are obese and who are also unhealthy. Um, the people who are obese who are saying, "I don't care. I love my body. I'll do what I want. I'll eat this pizza." They're doing the opposite. They're also identifying with their body, and they're 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 trying to promote. The, it's it's very false. It's actually quite false. They're not listening to their body. They're truly not uh, content and happy with themselves, and so they're putting out this external, you know, look at me. I'm making all this noise because I'm trying to feel good about myself. When in reality, their quality of life is probably not that good. Nobody can argue that a 300 pound man isn't going to have a increased uh, or improved quality of life if they weigh 200 pounds and improve their physical health. Nobody can argue that effectively. So there's a problem when I hear people saying this whole fat shaming and what's happening now, and unfortunately, I mean, not fortunately, unfortunately, but this is just what's happening is obesity is becoming so normal. Because it's so normal now, people are pushing themselves almost to be that way and make fun of people who are fit. Uh, fit shaming is actually much more common than fat shaming. <laughs> That's funny. That's it, funny. It, which, and it's, it's very interesting. There was a mom right. not that long ago who posted on social media. She got in very good shape. She had three kids. And she's like, oh, man, I got in great shape, you know, and I have three children. What's your excuse? And it was this motivating thing. Oh, boy, did she piss a lot of people off. And she got fit shamed like crazy. I've gotten fit shamed. I've gone to parties, and people want to offer me a beer. And I just, look, I'll drink if I want to. I just didn't want a beer. But people all of a sudden feel like it's okay to, to make fun of me and say things like, oh, come on, you can let your hair down. What's the big deal? Just have some beer. And it's like, well, I, I just don't want one. It's not a, it's not a big, big right, deal. Right. Imagine if you did that to a fat person who was eating Oreos. Hey, yeah. just put that down. You, can't, you don't need any more of that. Like, exactly. It's the same thing exactly. when you think about I it. Mean, right? uh, I, I, I really yeah. think, look, you know, be okay with who you are. Um, you can have a body image that's different than your self-image. I can look at myself in the mirror. I can weigh myself. I could feel myself. And say to myself, man, I'm not healthy. I'm a good person. I'm still a good person. I still love people. I'm just not healthy. I need to change that. It's very different from looking in the mirror, feeling my body, feeling how I feel and saying, man, I'm unhealthy. I'm a piece of crap. I'm a shitty person. I'm a, like, you don't want to do that either. It's very simple. Our body's a vessel. 
That's, and, and, and the way it looks is a reflection of how you take care of it. Yeah. That's, that's it. it can, it's separate from self-image. And, if it's, yeah. and, and it, to each their own, how you want to take care of it. But I think to fool yourself into thinking that you're taking good care of it, I think that's, those, are, those are insecurities when people are on both sides, both the fit side and the overweight side, when they have to project this, look at me. It's like right away to me that just throws up a flag that like – that there's something going on inside that you feel the need to like point that out. Right. Because if, if you were, you know, say grossly obese and you actually did accept and love yourself, you wouldn't have to talk. No need to talk about it. It's just like, no need to share when a a liar's like, okay, listen, I swear to God, this is the truth. I'm not lying. Here's what happened. You're like, okay, you're about to lie. (laughs) It's like, like, otherwise you wouldn't say that. Right. To me, you leave someone alone in your house. Like, just so you know, I want, I'm not going to steal anything. Like, why did you say that? You know, it's like, there's, yeah, there's it's, all, it's a tell. It does. Know? It it's yeah. a, it screams insecurities right away on both sides, both the fit side and the fat side. When when we we feel it necessary to to talk about that, like oh I'm so this or I'm so that or I'm so proud to be this way. It's like well just be that. Now, way. I I will say this. Uh, it, it really gets on my nerves when I have to pay for someone's unhealthy habits when my plane ticket price goes up because now they have to accommodate overweight people who have two plane tickets or when you know that's what gets on my nerves because then they say they're being discriminated when in fact they're not being discriminated this is their choice they choose to live this way which is fine but you also can't expect an airline to give you two seats for the price of one because you don't fit in one right. seat you know that, those are the things that or when you sue a company like McDonald's for your obesity or you again you make fun of fit people and skinny people because you got you you know because you don't you, you, because of the way you look or now you can make fun of these other people like i see well women who are thin who it's like open season to make fun of them like you know she doesn't have a butt men want meat you know girls with meat on their bones like why is it okay to to, to shame skinny girls it's not okay to shame fat girls it shouldn't be okay to shame skinny girls or or fat guys or skinny guys or anybody like Let's just all be cool. Be who you are. Don't identify with your body. Live how you want. And I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a really good answer from both of you. And I, I think that's a great kind of takeaway is that, you know, we focus so much on the physical in this episode because it's what you guys are into. It's what I'm into. But it, you do always have to remember that you're not your body. It's just like the same thing. That's why I said that's very yogic, you know, because you're not your thoughts and you're not your body. And it's so easy. I mean, this is me. Like I get out of the shower and I look up every day, dude, I look at my stomach and I'm like, fuck, I don't <laughs> like it. You know, I, now I don't hate it enough to actually go work out really hard, <laughs> you know? So it's like, then I remind myself, you're not your body, dude. It's cool. You know, you're 46, like you got a little belly, whatever, you know? But um, but I'm also not just going to totally let it go. That's the thing. Like you said, it's your vessel. And it's like, I have a car. I want to take care of my car. And my meat suit here is the car for my soul for right. however many years this heart keeps beating, you know. So I like that kind of balanced approach. So Excellent. thank you for that. It's a nice thing to close on. No problem. Thank you. So, uh, guys, man, really, wow, mind-blowing talk. I had a feeling we were going to get into the zone, and we did. I want to thank both of you for coming. Uh, Before we end, I have my classic every episode three-part question, and I got two of you, so we're going to get six answers. Who have been three teachers or teachings in your life that you have benefited from? It could be in the area of fitness or just life in general. You've taught me tons of stuff. You've taught the audience all kinds of things today. So Hmm. if we want to go kind of a tier up above you guys, who did you learn from? 
Wow, uh, I don't know. I was going to ask I'll, that. I'll give you. I'll give you three right now. I, I'll idea. give you one. I'll <laughs> give you one who's a normal person. I think was some of the best advice I ever got. It was when I was uh, 22 years old. Man became a very good friend of mine later on. At the time, I just got promoted uh, to a manager, and I was running a facility at 22 years old. And I was I just crushed goal. Had a great month. My boss came in. My boss came in and just reamed my neck for all the things that I wasn't doing right. And I remember sitting at my desk and I was doing all the things that he told me I wasn't doing right. And my buddy walked over and he cleared my desk off, like literally just threw it on the ground. And I was like, what the fuck did you do that for? And he looks at me and he says, listen, dude, he says, there's a reason why you're in this position at 22 years old. Stop focusing on the things that you're not good at. Focus on what you're good at and be fucking great. And that forever stuck with me. That's and, huge. Yeah, it was. It was like it was the best advice I could ever received at that age. And and forever it shaped and molded how I how I approached life and all things is you know, I stopped dwelling on the things in my life that I wasn't good at and I began focusing on the things that I already was good at and that I enjoyed and I focused on being great at that. That's why I'm sitting here on a mic instead of doing math problems. <laughs> <laughs> right. So Okay, uh, that's good. That's like uh it. that was a normal person that gave me that advice, but it was some of the most powerful uh, uh, information that I'd ever received. And man, I tell you what, uh, it's going to be hard to just give you uh, one or two from the... It could be a book, you know, or anything. I could tell you one of my favorite quotes, uh, whether you believe you can or you can't, uh, you're right. Is that, I think I believe Henry Ford said that. Um, I, I remember reading that as a young kid, and I remember thinking like, whoa, that was so profound to me. Um, in, in realizing my true potential and a, a lot of it lied in whether or not I could believe, I believed I could do something. And so I've always tried to live by that after, after learning that and just believe that I could. And so far it served me well. So I'll give you a book. Uh, one of the first short reads I ever did. Um, it's an easy read. You knock it out in a day. It's called one minute manager. And the biggest takeaway that I took from that book that changed forever, how I led uh, the premise of the book is this. This guy's just Fortune 500 company, kills it. This kid's coming in. He's doing an interview of the boss, wants to find out what's this guy doing that's so special about this company that they kill it. And uh, he's interviewing all the employees, and all the, he's asking them all the basic questions. Well, does he hold you accountable, and does he reprimand you for this? And they're like, no, no, no. No, yeah, no, we don't really see him that much. No, no, no. And he's like, what the fuck? What does this guy do? He's this great leader, but it doesn't seem to do anything. And he finally gets to interview the guy, and the guy tells him that, you know, I stopped looking at all the things that my people were doing wrong, and I started to focus on all the things that they were doing right, and then making sure that I made a point to come over and commend them on that. And I remember thinking to myself that how, how powerful that was, and then I took that bit of information, and then I implemented a system into, into my in all the businesses that I've ran going forward where I would calendar inside my phone. Back then, we didn't have phones. It was like a palm trio thing or whatever, right? So, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dating ourselves. With a little, little plastic yes, stylus. Right, right. Right with, yeah. So I would, and I would put their names on there. So I'd put, you know, all my employees' names, and an alarm would go off. And then I would make a point to find wherever they were in my facility and walk over, put my hand on them, and point out something that I saw them do well that day. And when I learned to lead from that way, it was one of the most powerful things that I ever learned to do because it was amazing the buy-in that I got from my people when I started doing that. And uh, that was huge and uh, incredibly impactful for me. It took my career to a whole other level as far as leadership goes. you have kids? 
I don't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sounds like a good parenting, uh, you know, position too. Yeah. It's, it's, it would, I mean, it'd be similar. Leading a team is very much like, you know, children. you know what? That doesn't work that well. Cause I, I've kind of adopted that, not from that book, but it doesn't work that well with millennials. <laughs> you do that show with the millennial. They're like, you know what? I should be CEO. You know, all of a sudden they start telling you what to do. And she's like, all right, calm down, Johnny. Yeah, 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 yeah. Complimented you, but you know, I got 40 years on you. Oh, okay. Anyway, I, and then I enjoy, I enjoy, yeah, yeah. My third one, I'll give you, I got to give you one of my interviews because I didn't want to do that because I feel like you could listen to our podcast, right? But truth be told, I've grown more in the last two years of podcasting than I did the previous 34 years. So the amount of guests and men and women that we've had the opportunity to interview is just mind-blowing. So, I mean, going through, you could dig through some of those, but someone who made a big impact on me was Tom Bilyeu. So Tom Bilyeu is, was one of the uh, creators of Quest Nutrition uh, he's just Are those bars. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So it reached a billion dollars in revenue. Very yeah. Quickly. It was one. Of, it's one of the fastest growing companies in the last decade, and uh, he's now starting another company called Impact Theory, and he's just got an incredible business mind. Uh, he's you can find him all over on social media under Tom Billu or Impact Theory. He's got all kinds of great stuff. He puts out incredible content. He's got a YouTube channel where he's got tons of brilliant minds on there. But having interviewed him and spend uh, several times talking to that guy, the amount of information that he spews is just, I mean, I've, I've probably read two or three books that he's recommended and taken a ton of gems from his interview. So look him up for sure. Cool. Awesome. Thanks for that. Excellent. Uh, you got a couple more, Sal? You know, there's a quote that I read from time to time by Teddy Roosevelt. And it's uh, the You're man in the, the arena. OG American uh, founders. Huh? Oh yeah, that's and, uh, cool. It's, that's uh, cool. I mean, the guy was a real. I mean, you know, I talk about like a, the the archetype of the man, right? Manly man. But there was a great uh, qu- uh, speech that he gave, and there's a quote within it, and it's it's actually quite popular now. People, uh, especially in our in our field, will will post it on Instagram and stuff. But I found it a long time ago, and it's called the man in the arena. And it basically uh, it's a long quote, but it talks about how. It's not the critic who counts. It's the man who's in the arena, who's the one doing the work, who's fighting and who knows what it's like to succeed, but also knows what it's like to fail. But it's better to know those two things than to sit and not know either of them, to be a timid soul. And that, uh, for me, resonated very strongly because at the time when I had discovered that, I had started a business that hadn't succeeded. It was very difficult. Because up until that point, everything I touched uh, was gold. Everything I touched succeeded. And it was my first, uh, really my first time experiencing failure. And, you know, you ask yourself after you have a big failure, especially if you're an entrepreneur, it kind of tests you. And you ask yourself, you know, why am I doing this? Um, you know, I lost all this money, you know. And, and I realized that it's, it's not, uh, it's because that's who I am. I'm not, I'm not the person to sit on the sidelines and judge others. I need to be in there making it happen. And I'd rather fail. I'd rather fail and try than never have known what it was like to even try. And um, it's something I read to myself. Uh, I don't read it so often nowadays, but um, pro- at least once a month I'll read that quote and remind myself uh, what resonates with me. And it's really that uh, I'm the person in the arena and there's lots of critics and that's okay. And I'd rather, I'd love to succeed, but failure is awesome too. I'd rather bleed. Spoken like a true entrepreneur. There's a, I I always forget where I've read this, but there's something I read about entrepreneurs, you know, just the the traits of like the successful ones. And it has to do with that thing of 
being willing to give it a shot, not quitting and all of that. But the, the crux of it is this, is that an entrepreneur is just smart enough to have a great idea and to execute it and to start it, but just dumb enough to not be able to calculate the risks. That's right. <laughs> you know, we it's talk like, about time. yeah, I know what it came from. It was about, uh, it was an article, I think about like the 10 highest IQ humans in the world. And the fact that they all work for someone else, like they're all bean counters. Entrepreneurs hire them. Yeah, exactly. High school them. dropouts like my ass hire really smart motherfuckers. That's right. Entrepreneurship is jumping out of a plane and figuring out how to make a parachute on the way down. Right. That's how we roll. Yeah, yeah. And that's how I've started almost yeah. every business I've ever started. And you got to be cut out for that because it's scary and baneful. You know Absolutely. what I mean? I've never like started a venture, put a lot into it. I had to just totally flatline. But the ups and downs of just like my other business has been nine years, you know, just started from like an literally an idea, light bulb mm-hmm. bing. And all the different things that you have to learn along the way, like leading and managing and things like that. It's like, what? You just hire someone and they do the shit they're supposed to do, right? It's like, no, dude, you got to read books about how to lead them. Oh, God, really? Uh, you got a third one? No, I can't think of a third one. All right, we'll let yeah, you off I was bracking my brain. That's but. all right. You guys gave like multifaceted um, answers on that. So lastly... We've talked about your podcast. Where can we find uh, you guys on social media, podcast, website, anything you want to point people to? So the podcast is Mind Pump. We're on iTunes uh, or we're on Stitcher. Um, if you have an Android, you can find us. You can use an app. Uh, podcast Republic is another one. Um, our website is mindpumpmedia.com. That's where you can find all of our programs. And on Instagram is where we're, we're most active. Our Instagram page is Mind Pump Media. And then there's three of us. So you heard me and Adam talking my page is Mind Pump Sal. Adam is Mind Pump Adam. And then our other host, Justin, is Mind Pump Justin. We also have a YouTube channel, too, which is our Mind Pump TV. and our Mind. So we have two YouTube channels, Mind Pump TV and Mind Pump Radio, where every day we drop a, a new video on there also. Damn, you guys are like putting out a shit ton of content. We do. We do five episodes a week on the podcast, and we do a YouTube what? video every single day. Yeah, are you serious? Yeah. You guys are like John Dumas, man, an entrepreneur on fire. Yeah. Homeboy puts out a show, I think, like every day. Yeah, we, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we, yeah. we got to match Five or, five or seven days a week. Yeah, yeah that was we do, just, we do five days we a week. Five. Oh my god, that's crazy. So you must have like a shit. To, how many downloads do you guys have now at this point? Do you know total downloads? Yeah. Oh, I don't know, yeah, but no, we're, 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 we do we're, over, we're we do over a million a month. Well, now what? we're we're approaching yeah. like two. We're yeah. approaching two now. Oh my god, good for you, man. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it keeps us busy, dude. That's crazy. <laughs> a million. I was like, I want to get a million by the end of 2017. I'm like, man, I need to like up my goals. It took that's us a year to get to a million downloads yeah, yeah, the first it, time. Yeah, it took okay. a, a year it took to get to a million. That's year. about where, where I'm on track. And for then, and and then after months. that, we just, yeah. And we've Good been growing you, ever man. since. That's awesome. Thank you. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for coming by, guys. And uh, welcome to Los Angeles. Thanks, uh-huh. thanks brother. Oh, man. Lordy, lordy, lordy. What a wild ride with these dudes from Mind Pump, huh? Lots of valuable information delivered and also delivered in a fun and engaging way. Man, I had a great time sitting down with these guys. I, uh, I'm going to start harassing them. If you guys are listening back to this, I'm going to start harassing y'all to come up and do your show because I had a really good time with these dudes. They're just uh, kindred spirits, and it was really fun to get to share this information with you. So this was part two, of course. I'm assuming that you've already heard part one if you're hearing the outro to part two, but if you haven't, 
dude, this was a rich conversation. So make sure you go back and catch part one if somehow you slipped and missed that. And I want to thank you, the listener, for letting me invade your brain with information like this on a weekly basis, or in this case, a bi-weekly basis when I do these massive epic two-part episodes. Basically, the way I do it is if we go over two hours, I break it in two. It's an hour, 20, hour and a half, maybe one long one. But uh, I I want everyone to have the opportunity to make sure that they hear both episodes because there's just so much good content given. So thanks to Sal. Thanks to Adam, the guys from Mind Pump. Make sure to check out their podcast if you want to hear more of this. They put out a few shows a week. Their show is huge. They have a massive following because they are doing it right. So on that note, go get your lazy ass into the gym and sweat, baby. I'll see you next week with Nadine Artemis from Living Libations. I'd like to remind you to get your 15% discount hookup over at foursigmatic.com. This is where you're going to find the world's most convenient, potent, and delicious medicinal mushroom and herbal blends. These are great standalone drinks or add-ons that you can put into your coffee. They're really great to drink at night because they don't have caffeine. You can also use them before workouts, in moments of concentration. They're just amazing little packets of magical power. So enjoy that 15% discount by entering the lifestylist at foursigmatic.com. Again, the discount code is the lifestylist at foursigmatic.com. Sigmatic.com.